0: We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hello, hello to everyone who is in quarantine. I just wanted to pop in before this episode gets started to just check in on everybody. I know that as the days and the weeks go on, that there are certain challenges that pop up that haven't been navigated the week before. I know that we're a business resource, but I also want to be able to rely on each other for emotional support as well. We can only do our best work when we are emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. And during this time, it's gonna take a little extra effort to make sure that we're in that space. So please prioritize yourselves. Please then give to others and know that by helping others, it usually gives you a big, big boost of enthusiasm and energy yourself. Um, That's the spirit of networking. That is exactly what networking is all about. I just want to make sure that everybody is acknowledging the wins no matter how small how difficult they were to come by (laughs) but now more than ever I just want to encourage all of you to really rely on the women in this group more than ever Um, just remember that we are so much stronger together than we are by ourselves that is absolutely the purpose of this group so Check into the Facebook group often, turn on notifications, comment on this podcast, share this podcast, invite somebody into the group that may not know that it exists because we are all going through this together. Everybody in the world is going through this together, but there are fewer people that understand what we're going through as women Let's put the bullshit aside and let's really work together in a way that we never have before and show the world that we can think creatively, we can be incredibly resourceful and together we can make this better. So know that the members of this group are in in industry just like you, they're in roles just like you and they're going through all the same things. They're mothers, sisters, friends, wives, their colleagues and if we stick together and we're real about what's going on, we'll come out this the other side and be stronger than we were before. I promise you, we want this to be your comeback week. We want this to be your comeback year. And um, we know you can do it. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Ryan Stern and Alexa Tonner are the co-founders of Collectively Inc., a San Francisco and New York-based influencer marketing agency. Collectively's pioneering approach helps brands connect with the most creative voices on social media with the best ideas, tools, and talent. Under Ryan's leadership, Collectively has been recognized as one of Fast Company's most innovative companies for marketing and advertising, and a finalist for Digiday's Content Marketing Agency of the Year. The company's work has been recognized by the OMA Awards, Digiday Awards, Glossy Awards, and the Webby Awards. First and foremost, thank you both for taking the time to be on today's episode. How are you both doing?
1: We're good. We're good. It's an interesting time uh, across the board for sure, but we're hanging in there our our office is is healthy. Um, We're healthy. So, you know, for now, it's uh, working from home and staying in touch across Slack and Zoom and all sorts of different things and continuing to even work on some programs. So um, that's kind of what our, our world looks like right now. That is really great
0: to hear. I think this is the third or fourth time that we've had two guests On the podcast as well. They've been arguably some of our more enjoyable episodes (laughs) because we just get more perspectives and that's always better than, you know, two is better than one. In the intro to this podcast episode, um, we heard a little bit about each of your backgrounds. I'd love to hear just from your lips um, a little bit about your individual backgrounds, key moments that sort of made you the women that you are today. Ryan, would you like to start first? Sure,
2: and I like that the odds are stacked against us already because mm-hmm. two of us. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, I would love to tell you a little bit more about myself. I, um, you know, I started out in my career actually on more of the journalism and editorial side of content, but I've always been a content junkie and have just loved. Um, watching the access that sort of the everyday person had to creating content happen with kind of the beginning of web blogs, like way back in the day. And then um, I actually started a food blog in 2005, um, even though I was working at the time at Architectural Digest. And like that juxtaposition was very interesting, being like a Conde like, very, like, polished, well-oiled machine of a magazine publication, and then you know, kind of by night, like blogging and creating my own food content, um, and so that's really how I started my influencer marketing career. As I didn't know it was going to be influencer marketing at the time, um, but I actually moved into food media, um, having ex- a kind of experienced this whole blogging community and began working at a food media site where we aggregated tons you know thousands of food blog sites and started partnerships and relationships with food bloggers and it just was really awesome and I got to really um see how the community of food bloggers could grow around that and how we could actually bring that audience and community to advertisers in a really unique way at the time um alexa and i started working together around this time and i i like love that we've worked together for over a decade but We joke that, you know, our first influencer marketing program was in 2007, I believe, 2008, like sending 350 mommy bloggers like new Quaker Oats granola bars that had just launched. And at the time, like it was just crazy. That was like a weird, crazy program that we were putting together and fast forward to where we are today and it's just changed so much. And so that was kind of where... Um, a little bit more on my background and where I started, but it's been such a journey, I would say, um, of how things have changed. And I'm grateful to be in the industry because um, at the core of it, it's about connecting people and content, and that's extremely rewarding, regardless like what channel it is or. What phase of the industry it's it's happening in? it um, keeps you really closely connected with people, which has always been something that's very meaningful to me.
0: and I, I love that you guys have been business partners for so long and in the industry for so long. I'm sure you've both seen so much. So Alexa, tell us a little bit of more about you know your journey and you know how you got into influencer marketing and how you are ended up where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as Ryan um, alluded to, she and I have been working together for over a decade. She hired me when I was pretty fresh out of school, I would say, um, to be on her team. And so, um, you know, from, from working at that original sort of food media startup and working with food bloggers, to um, working at much larger media companies, where we were still doing influencer marketing programs and kind of um, running those on behalf of, of, a, of a larger media company that also sold kind of banner advertising. Um, I think kind of a key moment was when we we took a moment and, and stepped back and looked at the industry that we were in, which was you know selling a whole lot of banner ads and also kind of doing these added value blogger programs. And we realized that you know banner media was getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And these companies that have been built top of it were not going to be able to continue to charge the kind of prices that would keep them afloat. But the clients that we were working with every day were really desperate for this content. Um, they wanted to have real people talk about their experiences. They wanted to, you know, feed the content engines that their Instagram and Facebook channels had become. Um, and they found they could do that with, um, with the help of influencers and, you know, still early days it was mostly blog Instagrams and YouTube then, um but certain other platforms hadn't like pinterest was barely getting started at the time um we kind of took a step back and realized like wait a minute What we're good at um, and kind of what what we focus on is this world of connecting brands and content creators and, you know, translating across all of the different um, teams that are involved in that mix. And that's what we think is going to continue to be powerful in a world where all of us are really, um, you know, socially connected um, through the, the different types of apps and platforms that we use. So we kind of took a big risk together. And I remember like we were sitting at a bar in San Francisco and we were talking about you know what we could do next and I think Ryan suggested like what if we just started our own agency and you know that moment of thinking like whoa what if and I'd honestly never thought about it before and and I I credit her with having the initial suggestion and but both of us it just felt right at the time um and so you know we started to do it and it's been a really rewarding journey a really hard journey in some times um but it's really thrilling and exciting to be at the the forefront of this and um to be doing it with a, a great team too.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. I think about that moment, Alexa, of just like we we had this moment where we were, we admitted like we're really good at doing this influence marketing thing. And we were like, let's do it. Let's like start this business. And I come from a very entrepreneurial background in the sense that my I've, I've grown up around small business owners. My father's a small business owner and has always run his own business. And so this idea that like you could just do it yourself, like kind of all clicked around an area of, like work that we had gotten really good at and I think what's been interesting though is that that that's not the same as running a business and growing a business and I think that's been a really amazing incredible journey that I'm very grateful for is not only continuing in a discipline and the type of work that you love but also like Working together, having an amazing business partner where we actually are learning all of the other things about what it means to run a business successfully, which is a big part of what we now do day to day outside of just the impulse and marketing discipline.
0: And I mean, that is something to celebrate too. You know, um, I don't think many people can say that they've had a business partner for, you know, a decade, um, and certainly not in like, you know a more progressive uh exciting budding sort of industry like you both have said and I appreciate you being honest about like I'm sure there are many times when you're celebrating and there's times when you're frustrated and there's times that like you're you're navigating challenges all over the place but like that those are arguably some of the moments when you know you get yourself out of those moments and they're the most rewarding um and you're so thankful for those moments so So what would you say to others that are either currently in business with each other or others who are thinking about going to business together um, that are good uh, things for them to think about who to go into business with and, and talk to us about that, whoever wants to go for it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've had actually several friends talk to me about starting up businesses with um, business partners, and the one thing that I tell them all is you really have to trust that person implicitly. You are business married to them, right? And I always joke it's it's a marriage in a lot of ways. Um, you have to. We joke that we share a brain. Like if one of us isn't there, we trust the other person to make decisions, and um, we're not going to question those decisions. We're going to understand. If we if we have questions about them, we'll talk it out. But um, in general, we kind of respect each other's points of view. Um, and I always feel that way. Like if I'm not in the room, I know Ryan's going to make a great decision and she's going to do it from, you know, her, her years of experience and her, her focus on the team. Um, but, you know, oftentimes when I ask people, like, do you really trust somebody? Could you not be in the room and have them make a call? Um, and sometimes they're like, no, I wouldn't trust them to do that. And I'm like, then you probably don't want to go into business with them because you guys can't be in the same room at all times. You know, we joke it's like rare now for us to be in the same room in a meeting. It's kind of like a fun thing if we both get to be in the room. Um, mostly we're, you know, aside from like syncing with each other, we're, we're kind of running down our own lanes. So um, it's really, really important, I would say.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think um, another element of that that I think has been really incredible and I would recommend um, thinking about if you're starting a business or you're thinking about who you should be going into businesses, is have the same shared set of values because decisions will be difficult. Things will be challenging. I mean, even just situations that we're in now. And I think collectively Alexa and I early on created the collectively code um, which is we're in it together, do the right thing, make it amazing, step up and stay curious. And um, we didn't think about it at the time, but I think that that really is an, a representation of our shared values and the type of leaders we want to be and the type of employers we want to be in the space we want to be working in. We've worked in environments that weren't so great. And I think wanted to create a place that was a great place to come to work. You spend a lot of time at work. And so I think um, even though when we were at the bar cheersing and saying like let's do this together, we didn't have those values laid out. I think we knew and had worked together long enough to appreciate those shared values in each other and collectively gave us an opportunity to articulate that in actually a culture and a company that we um, are, you know, leading today. And so I would say shared values. And then another piece of advice that's switching gears a little bit more brass tacks, but think about what you want your contribution to the business to be. Because um, I've talked with um, colleagues and friends about how to approach you know, a business partnership. And if you both want to do the same thing, it sometimes doesn't work because in a business, you have to divide and conquer. So it's really important to think about what your day-to-day contribution would be and how that would work with another partner. If there are things that you Um, aren't naturally like talented or just don't want to do think about how a business partner can actually fill that space and bring that talent to the table because you want a really well-rounded you know partnership team or co-founder circle whatever you want to call it it should be really well-rounded because the the best businesses will come from that breadth of talent as opposed to the same exact type of talent.
0: Yeah. That makes so much sense. Like surround yourself with people who,
2: you know, are great at
0: maybe your weaknesses, um, and vice versa. Um, I can imagine that like finding, you know, the, the true partnership that like is just so complementary is the ideal situation. I'd love to shift a little bit to, you know, your team because, you know, you start as a duo and then, you know, ideally you're successful like you guys have been and you grow your team. And so you guys are based in San Francisco. I know you also have um, colleagues now in New York. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, your team and sort of what you've learned about hiring and cultivating a group of people that speak to some of those initial values that you both agreed upon.
2: I mean, well, we have learned a lot over the past uh, seven years, I would say. Um, We have amazing teams in terms of, um, I think the code really drives a lot. So I think that you'll see that in framing everything from hiring to how we manage to engaging in collaboration on a day-to-day basis. One thing about influencer marketing is that our work tends to be really collaborative. um, And I think that getting to work with so many different Um, like our whole collaborator community is also an extension of our team. Our client community is an extension of our team. And so I think one of the things that we find is that our groups and our office tends to be like hyper collaborative, which I love. Um, And so that's been, I think, a characteristic of our teams. It's a little bit different than other workplaces. Um, We're all really, you know, obsessed with constant communication and communication tools. And I think that's really set us up well to stay really connected and be really nimble and flexible as the space and the industry changes. Like our industry is changing constantly. And so I think, um, that enables us to really pivot quickly and be flexible and draw on ideas and creativity that can come from anywhere within our organization. Um, I don't know, Alex, if you have anything to Uh add to that. No, I was just,
1: I was just going to say to echo what you were saying about, um, you know, using, values as a way to hire employees. I would say in the early days at Collectively, our hiring was really instinctual for better or worse. And even though we hired some really great people that are still with us today during that period, I don't think instinctual hiring is the right way to go. Um, you know, what we've learned over time is having really structured hiring, hiring that's um, focused on weeding out unconscious bias, hi- hiring that brings in a lot of different perspectives when possible. It's hard when you're you know just two people, but as you get more people in your organization, this voice in um and really be clear on what you need then, you know, and in the early days, it was people who could wear a lot of different hats and contribute to all different areas of the business and be really comfortable operating without a rule book because we had to still write the rule book. And now, you know, we are a more established organization. We have teams, we have roles within those teams. They're pretty structured. We understand, you know, we can kind of build an archetype of who's been successful in those roles in the past. And and that kind of informs our hiring process. Um, And then we have to stick to that and we have to make sure that we're doing our best to get a really diverse set of candidates in the door and initial interview process. Um, and that we are conducting the interview process, again, with a lot of different perspectives and voices to help um, help us make the best selections. And I think since we've gotten a bit more rigorous and structured about that, um, our team has benefited and certainly our work has benefited as well. Um, so that's been really crucial. And then my other tip would be that you can um, you can teach the hard skills, like all of the like, how to make a keynote deck and and how to um, you know communicate effectively, but you really can't teach the soft skills, like who is going To be collaborative, to Ryan's point, who is um, who's nice and kind, um, who is strategic, who um, is really curious about the Um, world—all of those things. Like, if we don't see them in an interview, we're certainly not going to see them um, three months down the road when they're working for us. So we've tried to be really clear about making sure that some of those soft skills that we know make people successful collectively are, are really well demonstrated during kind of our initial interview process.
0: And I think that's great to be able to articulate. And I think that um, some people like m- would most likely agree with all those attributes that they they want um, instilled in their employees. I think the question is like, how do you get those out of a person in an interview, you know, and these are just like technical or logistical questions, but like, are there any tips that you've sort of learned along the way that just really get the most out of somebody in an interview situation?
1: I think yes, yes and no, but, um, it's, 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 hard. it's easy, but it's hard in some ways. But oftentimes we ask a lot of open ended questions. So we ask people to tell us about certain situations, and we're listening really, really closely um, to see how they respond to that. So, you know, asking people to tell us about a time when something went wrong in their past job and, and what they did can be really interesting because did they take um, acknowledgement that maybe something they did wasn't right? Did they talk about how they fixed it? Did they talk about how they make sure they'd never do it again or um, they could avoid it in the future? Or do they start blaming somebody else really fast? That's usually pretty telling. Um, but sometimes it's really easier than you expect. Like Ryan and I talk a lot about, we, we actually ourselves sometimes do a lot of the initial screening questions or, or screening interviews just to help out our teams. and. Um, sometimes we'll just ask like, hey, tell us about your favorite influencers. Tell us about your favorite influencer campaign. And you'd be surprised how many people can't answer that question, which is very surprising. You know, people who look great on paper and said all the right things in the cover letter, answering just like a very simple question versus a lot of people are like, okay, here are my favorite YouTubers right now. I'm really into this. This is a cool campaign I saw. Um, You know, those are the people for us, the people who kind of live and breathe it, have done their homework, are excited and motivated and hungry about the opportunity, um, and then um, can, can really convey that appropriately in, a, in an interview. Um, that's what we're really looking for. And the more you talk and the more you, I think, give, I should say, the more you give them a space to talk, the better, because that's the key to understanding how they think, how they um, approach certain situations. I love that. Yeah, that's and great. I'll just
2: add on to that that one of the things that we do across all of our interview processes is once you get through kind of an initial screening and maybe a team interview, we always have um, candidates submit a little bit of what we call a homework assignment. And um, this is probably really common, but really giving the floor to someone to talk to you about how they created the work, it doesn't really matter how related the work is to the work they're going to be doing, but understanding someone's process, Um, The questions that come up through that process and they want to talk to you about that is really telling and how you collaborate and how you kind of approach um, critical thinking and maybe something that is a little bit new that you haven't done before. And so I think those are really good um, steps to include in the process for going beyond just the interview space to understand how someone is going to be working and how they could contribute um, against values and the actual work that the role requires.
0: And I, I love that. I, and then you, so you find this great talent and you obviously get them in the door. Talk to us about retaining good talent. We happen to be in a very difficult time right now. It's so timely that we're having this podcast interview when we're having it in the midst of like a, a world pandemic where people are being challenged left and right to work from home, for example, where some people are used to having this shared collective experience with each other and feed off of this energy um, and collaboration. But you said that previously or historically that you guys have had a ton of tools at your disposal that you've used. I'm sure maybe, I'm just guessing, but maybe like Slack or Zoom, I think you might have mentioned um, things like that. But some people are, you know, naturally struggling a little bit these days to say, how do I contribute the most? How do I um, really step up in the situation? And I'd love to hear from both of you because this can this conversation is timely in relation to coronavirus, but it's also transferable to once we inevitably overcome coronavirus. Um, when people really want to step up and contribute, how do people best work together as a team?
1: One thing that we've talked about a lot over the past couple of weeks is that we felt Well, prepared for this because we've already um, historically done what we call work from wherever Wednesday. So, every Wednesday, our team can work um, from their home, um, from a coffee shop, from our office, wherever they feel most comfortable working. During that time, we've used tools like Zoom and Slack to stay in touch, and our team is really comfortable and and kind of familiar using those tools. You know, we also use kind of the full Google Google suite of docs and sheets and things like that to collaborate. Um, And so, you know, we've, we've relied really heavily on those and we've all gotten used to video conferencing over the past year or so. Um, so, you know, that transition hasn't felt too different, but one thing we've been kind of trying to layer in, um, now are just more opportunities for catching up and hanging out. Cause I think that's what people are really missing, um, right now, especially is just, can we, you know, talk about some silly stuff. So, you know, we've been spending a lot of times the first, 10 minutes uh, 20 minutes even of a big group meeting just chatting like seeing what everyone's doing what's going on um talking about tv we're watching or you know people learning taking the time to learn some tiktok dances um you know just kind of catching up uh we have slack channel right now dedicated just to like work from home silliness and sharing like positive stories and you know not talking about the news but just talking about great things that we're seeing and funny things that we're seeing so that's been really fun Um, a couple of people have done like virtual coffees that are like 30 minutes of just having coffee with somebody, um, over zoom, we've got a virtual happy hour coming up. Um, so we're all just gonna, you know, get a glass of wine or other sparkling beverage of people's choice and hang out and and chat for a little bit. So, you know, trying to create some of those moments of normalcy for sure.
2: Yeah, I just I feel so grateful that we have connectivity and the internet to help be creative in times like this. Like I've seen happy hours where you can customize your background. So like people are doing happy hours with their friends where it's like they can kind of import themselves in a cocktail to like wherever they want to be and like fun with backgrounds, fun with, um, you know, just the gallery view on Zoom itself can be really fun. We've talked about I have I, I have two kids. And so um, I think that's been interesting, honestly, to see how children are responding to connected technology in a world that has been very like f- screen time regulated. And now the only way that as a seven-year-old you know, I have a first grader that she can talk to her friends is on the phone. And so we're kind of like readjusting to that. But also seeing like the delight of being able to do like a zoom with a bunch of your friends from your first grade class has been really (laughs) cool. And silly. um, We've talked about doing a little like costume party with them because like, you know, young little kids love to dress up. So it's like showing up for your virtual kind of play date, um, if you will. But That's just different. And I just at the end of the day, feel grateful that we can do that because um, there's technology that allows us to still feel really connected and and maintain a bit of this humanity, despite being, you know, very isolated in a very fast amount of time.
0: We're very fortunate. We're in an industry about social media and connectedness and Technology. And so, you know, we're very, I I think we should all be grateful that we were in this industry before the, you know, coronavirus became a thing and are really well positioned um, to get through it. But I love thinking creatively about someone told me there's like a Chrome extension now for Netflix and that people are like exploring, you know, watching TV with friends or a movie with friends or like a social gathering of sorts with colleagues that are now not close by. Like you can't go and grab a happy hour. So what can you do instead? And I think like the opportunity to build that camaraderie Might in fact, get us to a a much better place than we were at before. To your point before, like a lot of people who are, you know, working these days, they've got kids at home. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation, Mm -hmm. Um, trying to now suddenly have to be a teacher or a caretaker, um, and also have to work at the same time. And there's struggles with that. But I also see, a really beautiful thing that can happen, which is somebody that, you know, you may have just known professionally is now getting a little glimpse into your life as your kid suddenly runs on screen <laughs> during the middle of a conference right. call that should be very serious, of course. But all of a sudden, oh, she's a human being, <laughs> you know, and like, oh, her kid is adorable. <laughs> um, And it's, it's an opportunity to feel some sort of connection between two humans. When did you, each sort of know that this industry was the right fit for you professionally. I find that everybody sort of comes to influencer marketing in a very different way. No one really studies this in school. um, And it really combines a lot of different things, you know, like we were talking about briefly before, even like technology, some people will come at it from social media, some people come out from traditional media. Um, what is it about this industry that really speaks to you both individually?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's true. It certainly was not something I ever studied in school or thought about in school in any way, shape or form. Um, and for me, I would say, you know, it's sort of a gradual falling into it of, you know, when we were working at that food media startup together, you know, we were the little guy um, amongst the, you know, scripts networks, um, Condé Nast's of the world that were selling advertising and that had much bigger, you know, cachet and kind of name brand. Um, we were trying to sell food media and we are like, well, what do we have that's unique and interesting? Um, we've got all these food bloggers and what can we do with all these food bloggers? What if we sent them product and have them talk about it and use their platforms in kind of a, a distributed um, uh, way that communicated their, you know, Personal feelings and excitement, ideally, about a product. Um, and I think, you know, it, it was one little light bulb moment when that worked and it was successful. And, um, you know, we got all this content. There's a moment, I think, when we shipped them out, we were like, huh, I wonder if people are going to do anything where people are just going to eat this food and never talk about it. But um, they were excited. You know, they'd never received something in the mail before. Obviously, now that's, you know, the backbone of a lot of influencer marketing is receiving things in the mail. Um, but that was really new at the time. And then, You know, as I sort of continued down the path, at some point I realized that I liked you know, influencer marketing done well is really additive to your life. Um, you know, so much of advertising is really disruptive. Um, so mu- much of it doesn't really give you much of a choice um, in your experience of it. You know, you're either you know served up a commercial on TV or you're um, you encounter a you know ad on while you're scrolling through Instagram. Um, influencer marketing is a really interesting dynamic because you know you've chosen to follow this person you like some of the things that they like, they are taking on this partnership, ideally because they feel an affinity towards it. I think that's, again, a, a, a key component of influencer marketing is that the, the the influencer should feel a good connection, whether it's a new product to them or something they've loved for a long time. Um, and then, you know, when all those things work together, you're like, oh, this actually is something that I'm really excited to learn about. I'm excited about this. I still buy things from influencer campaigns, from our own influencer campaigns. Like they influence me despite being very much in the industry. So, um, you know, knowing that it brings value to my life personally, um, it can impact me personally. I just see it as a really, um, uh, a really exciting industry. And I love the opportunity to help individual people, um, who are not you know big corporations but you know in some cases you know independent um, creatives and freelancers to moms at home and dads at home with kids it's really fun to be able to impact their lives in a in a real way
2: I mean I just yeah, ditto all of that <laughs> um and just as you were talking Alexa I mean I feel similarly that I like, I didn't set out to find this profession but I think it kind of like found me and evolved around me. But some of the things that I think are really core to why I love it is a lot of what Alexa shared. But I also kind of, I I don't know, I, I like, I'm kind of more of the, I like to challenge the status quo type. And I like to think about what's new and what hasn't been done and pushing boundaries. And I think the digital landscape and social media has given us a lot of opportunity to push boundaries and to try things that are new and a bit unconventional ways to connect with people or to communicate with with people who you relate with and i just find all of that really challenging in a good way and continues to scratch the itch of like the problem solver i think it's interesting to solve problems um whether you know it can be frustrating to figure out how to stitch together all the apis and the data so we can give everyone the reports but it's also really much it's a challenge and it's fun and it's It's like, how are we going to figure this out? Let's explore different options and um, try and fail and try again and keep going and learn along the way. Like, that's a really great environment to be in just for myself personally. And I love it and I'm really inspired by it. And so I think influence marketing also offers that in addition to, um, again, just really amazing connections and communications. Like, we've all shared things we like uh, with our friends. And... The internet allows us to have like so many more friends and so many more shares, and I just really like that part of it too.
0: That is uh, what most people love about it, right? And like, how fortunate are we that we get to do that for a living? Hugely. I'd love to hear, I feel like we, what we try to accomplish on this podcast is that, you know, we try to just be as, as real and open as possible, because I feel like most people listening always get the most out of those moments. So, um, my question is for you guys is like, when, when have you had a moment of failure that you bounced back from and you, it, like, it was probably incredibly tough in real time. And it, it's not the glamorous part of the business and you know, it's not really necessarily what people are always talking about, but that's the real part of the business. And I'm sure there has been those moments over the course of 10 years of being in business. Um, I think people, what they really would love to hear from you given that you're still at it 10 years later and so successful, what were those moments like and and what did you take from those moments?
2: yeah, that's a good question. I can jump in a little bit on like first, we can we can talk about more specific moments in a second, but just I think philosophically, like failure needs to be rebranded as learning. <laughs> like failure is something that happens every single day on a small and a large scale. And I think particularly for women, we have such high bars for ourselves. and this sort of like fear of failure mentality um, that I even see in young girls. So I actually coach my daughter's soccer team and, one of the things that like I'm freshly dealing with on a more real time basis now that I'm doing that is just like how much pressure there is to be good at everything immediately. And you see it as young as first graders on a soccer field, like getting frustrated that they can't dribble as fast as they would like to. And it's like, you don't, you're not born knowing how to dribble. Like you have to try it and fail at it a lot or the ball will go in the wrong direction or you'll hit the cone and all these things happen. And like, to me, that's like a process of learning something. And so I would say like, as silly as it is business. And when we're adults, it's still the same thing. Like for the business that we're in, like we're going to try stuff and it's not going to work and we're going to learn from it. And so um, I think that's sort of a frame on the things we've learned along the way. And we have had times where we've metaphorically like stepped up to kick the ball really hard and completely whiffed and you learn why, like, what did I do in that moment? How did I anticipate things the way that I did and how would I revisit that moment differently in the future and so I think that's what we're really trying to manage through is again like doing a lot of this for the first time like it was the first time when we first started out seven years ago like I remember not knowing like how to even become incorporated as like an actual business and like you know you misfile things and you're trying to figure it all out and there's just like tiny learnings every step in the way and then like as you continue to run the business, you realize that you're gaining experience. And so you can take a little bit bigger risks. You can you can actually build on that experience and the, you know, you're not going to try to bite off too much than you can chew. So it's kind of like this process of like constant little failures, little learnings, if you will, um, that I think has been helpful for us as we've gone through just, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of experiences over the last seven years. It's hard to even like pick them and talk about them because there's so many. (laughs) I don't know. That's kind of how I think about it. Alexa, I don't know if any specific moments come to mind for you, but, um, I think, you know, principally, like, don't be too hard on yourself (laughs) first and foremost, and like give yourself the space to learn and to have, you know, mistakes and failures happen. It's going to feel frustrating, but
1: it's actually, the best way to learn I'd echo all that and I think it's funny because when I'm asked like what's uh what's what are some of the biggest failure moments I have a hard time answering that question not because we have not failed not because we have not messed up um and made some some you know decisions that I, if I could go back in time I would change but but because we've learned something every single time like okay then we, we'll do it differently next time we have that opportunity or, or here's how we'll encounter that I think you know, relevant to where we're at now, too. Um, you know, we have gone through um, periods and collectively where we've lost big clients and big accounts. Um, and for a business, that's really challenging and hard. And um, I think it's been really... Um, a learning opportunity and also, um, a, a real testament to our team's resiliency and, um, you know, an opportunity for growth every time that experience happens, because, you know, it, it teaches us like, okay, what is important and what do we need to reorient around and how do we, um, take the the great team that we have and set them towards new goals and, and make hard decisions along the way and, um, communicate those decisions effectively. In a moment like this one, where you know, I think we're all looking at a really uncertain um, future. Maybe not uncertain future, but you know, we don't know what's to come in the next in the next few months um, regarding you know COVID and the, the the reality of a of a really serious health crisis. Um, um, we are trying to draw on that knowledge and experience that we've had from those previous situations on how to run a really smart business during that time. This time. that's
0: This time. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I think that like, I, I'm really excited to hear your philosophy. Like, but it sounds like you have um, a collective philosophy on that. Just, I love the idea of, you know, sort of reframing what failure even is, and just looking at it as, you know, a learning as an opportunity. Uh, and, and really appreciating the journey along the way um, versus like the, you know, the the tiny moments that might feel crushing, like might feel so discouraging, um, but just knowing that like what you're taking from that is building you into the business professional that is able to then handle something, you know, 10 times more difficult down the road. Um, and when it does come up, hopefully that gives you a feeling of preparation and of confidence. And, um, that certainly takes time to build. So thank you for being so honest about all that. And I, I love to, I, I like the idea of reframing things and challenging sort of even the ways that we've always thought about stuff like that. Um, so my question for, um, you both is, Given the state that we're in um, with COVID-19, there are a lot of people listening right now who I'm sure could use some words of wisdom. We're all going through this together and it's a time arguably more important now than ever um, to just be there to support each other and share information and share findings and things like that. And I'll speak personally, I do think that it's sort of like a day-to-day basis that everything is sort of changing, but is there anything that you'd like to tell people listening, things that we can all do as a community, as an industry to help keep business thriving? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: I think like at this moment, I think what we're seeing is the reality of the whole situation is just sinking in for everyone. And, um, it is changing day to day. I think we're seeing an outpouring of creativity and support from our influencer community and the creators that we work with, which has been incredibly inspiring. Um, We did a little bit of a roundup yesterday on our blog and on our social channels, but that's been a real bright spot to see just how much creativity and humanity there is, and really thinking about your content creation abilities and your influence for good. So we're seeing, um, you know, content about really helping communities understand the importance of you know, sheltering in place and isolating and kind of spreading the news that is pre- like that's productive and not, um, you know, continuing to um, escalate the sense of anxiety and fear that I think is happening. Um, and I think that, you know, we're going to see it. it we're going to see people settling into this new reality and it's going to change. And I think that one thing that is inspiring to me about our particular industry and just the people in it is I think that we're we're already really connected to these online audiences and we've already been really immersed in that type of communication style and connection. And so if anything, like we have a lot of strength there and we have a lot of experience and we have the opportunity to really bring that to more people who are leaning to social channels for the first time. So I think there's a bit of, you know, a responsibility of showing up in that moment and really bringing great content to people and positivity and inspiration and silly comedy. Like, you know, just being able to make people laugh right now is so important. And relate with like real talk of what it's like to be transitioning your child to home learning environments that's really hard it's that's been one of the hardest things for me personally to experience over the last 3 days is is watching that transition happen and have it be very frustrating for your children. Um, And so just like solidarity around that is important and solidarity around everyone's unique experiences are so important. And so I think we're going to continue to see that and an outpouring of that in the community on the business side, again, like thinking about how we can support the brands and the client communities in ways that are really appropriate. Um, Brands are being impacted. We're seeing production shoots being impacted. Creators have, production capabilities in their homes. This is really unique and an advantage for our industry. And so I think we're hopeful that our discipline and the work that we've done can really scaffold additional client needs in the time that is appropriate and authentic, but also brings value. And um, so I think we're exploring some of those and hearing clients that are curious about what that could look like um, as other types of industries and businesses are experiencing impact to their own Um, workplace and ability to um, do what they're doing on a daily basis so I think again that's pretty broad and there's a lot of different um, things we're seeing unfold but those are a few that come to mind on my end immediately
0: no those are so so good and um, what about you Alexa if you could give people a message of um, your thoughts around this what would your message be
1: yeah, I mean, Ryan said a lot of it and, you know, she and I, um, all, along with um, Natalie, our, our other executive on our team, um, we've been having daily meetings where we just check in um, with each other and, you know, prepare the business, but also um, talk uh, have a little like friendly, friendly conversation too. Um, and so I think the the real power of what we do right now is is in each other. I mean, we're lucky enough to be honest with you to be in an industry where we can all work remotely um, with our laptops and with the internet, we pretty much have a job. Um, a lot of people are not as fortunate right now. And so you know, I think a lot about them um, during this time, I think about the power that influencers have to, um, you know, share public health information or, um, you know, provide support or relief for people who, um, are in in a position of unemployment right now. Um, you know, there's so much good that influencers can do in providing information right now. Um, and I think so many of them have really stepped it up in so many different parents share tips and advice, on how to keep kids entertained right now, and how to you know transition from being a a, a working parent who works outside of the home to a stay at home working parent hybrid teacher combo preschool teacher combo. I'm 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 deep in that too with a 17 month old, and she. Um, cannot do any kind of remote learning so we are (laughs) we are just taking a lot of walks but um, you know there's a lot of um, different ways that we can use the tools that we have as influencer marketers and um, uh, marketing practitioners to help people right now whether it's you know again sharing crucial information or or just sharing tips and and support.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I love what I've seen and it sounds like you guys have as well, where people really truly have been like stepping up in ways that I could never have imagined. People just recognizing that they have the ability to in an instant reach hundreds of thousands of people who look to them for advice or for to support. And, and they did a month ago before this was ever a thing. And I think that it's a really beautiful thing to see people recognize that they have that ability and just like really use it for good. Um, and I, I, think that there's an opportunity there as individual influencers, as influencers in our industry to do the same thing and encourage those influencers to be doing that and just thinking about, you know, the big picture here. Um, and then, you know, the big picture also does include, and it's really important to discuss, in my opinion, our economy from one business owner to, you know, two others who've spent years building up something and it's your livelihood and, you know, you both have children and this is your second child. Your other child is I'm (laughs) sure your business. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hugely important moment in time, I think to be cautious about how you proceed, but also rely and feel confident on, all of the skills that you've learned along the way to be able to appropriately navigate your way through this really challenging time. People have really impressed me these days to see the amount of support that they've given each other. So, um, you know, I think that it's important to also just recognize that, you know, social media is, a really, um, it's a really special place to be involved in right now, um, because of the power that we all have. And so to just, you know, uh, appreciate and acknowledge that and, and realize that you have the ability to do some huge things right now, whether it's impacting, um, people on a human level or impacting people on an economic level, it's, It's there's opportunity there to sort of go full circle to what we were talking about earlier during these trying times. There's opportunities and learnings to take from them. Um, my last question, and I'd love to ask you both, what would you tell your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to kick it off and let Ryan close it out. Um, I think something that I wish I'd learned a little bit earlier was really taking the time to cultivate great friendships and professional relationships at every single stage of my career. Um, And that starts in, you know, in college, maybe even high school. Um, but really, um, taking the time to, to invest in those relationships and give them the time and nurturing that they deserve. You know, it's enriching in the moment. Obviously it, it can pay off right then and there. Um, but you never know where people are going to go and where they'll um, wind up. And when you'll see them again, um, Thank you everyone the so world much can for be listening. really small. If you, you it's liked a big what place, you heard today, um, don't, don't forget, forget to subscribe to and again. share and, this You know, podcast. having, um, invested comments. that time so now is going podcast, to, um, you, you know, pay off potentially. So, um, it's just good in. advice um, for people in their careers, and that goes for just even, you know, if you're if you're new to the working world, like know that the people that you're working with and for now, um, you'll probably encounter again one day. So, you know, the the time um, that you spend getting to know them and doing your best work is really important right now.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great one. Um, I I don't know this one. It's funny. I feel like there's a lot of stuff I would tell my younger self, but some things that come to mind is like really trusting your gut early on and being really thoughtful around when you're just reading situations and like absorbing information, like your gut can actually tell you a lot. And so listen to it. And then uh, definitely like start your 401k early. Don't kick that can um, for sure. That might be an obvious one. And then again, like really be open to the idea that, you know, ideas and perspective can come from anywhere. So just keeping that open mind is so important in any context, whether it's a business strategy decision or you know, even just like a draft of an email and getting another person's point of view on that. Collaboration can always make things better if you're open to ideas and input. And so really embracing that philosophy early on in life is only gonna like expand the opportunities and the world that you're able to access. So.
0: Those are such, such good insights, whether it's, you know, the practical side of, you know, starting putting money into a 401k early (laughs) to just, you know, continuing to network with people and befriending people because you truly just never know where people are going to end up. Thank you both so, so much for being on today. I have a feeling that people are wanting to get in touch with you and um, connect. What's the best way to reach each of you?
2: Um, I think through email would be the easiest way. Shoot us a note. Um, really simple, Ryan at collectively and Alexa at collectively, and it's collectivelyinc.com. So we'd love to hear from anyone and
1: you can always DM collectively too on Instagram.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and we'll include um all of that info in the show notes for this episode. Thank you both. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, and be well during this time. Thank you so much, Jesse.